This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hi, I'm Mike Davis, and welcome to the opening podcast of the Great Heroes of Israel collection of the Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. I'm your host for this and all of the episodes in the series. I'd like to acknowledge Grace Smith, who is my voice teammate in these podcasts. She will be the voice of Sarah, Abraham's wife, in this episode. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, then you might remember that these stories are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. This episode begins a collection of stories about some of the great heroes of ancient Israel and my thoughts about what certain of their spiritual experiences may have been like. Please be reminded that these stories in no way claim divine inspiration, nor do they seek to demean the writings in the Bible. I hope that you might enjoy and be enlightened by them. The Great Heroes of Israel Collection, Deranged Bible Story, Number 1 This story is based on a portion of the narrative about Abram slash Abraham, the great patriarch of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Here is my deranged thought. According to Chapter 12 in the Book of Genesis, God appeared to a man named Abram, who lived in Mesopotamia. And God told him to pack up his wife, servants, extended family, and everything he had and move west. God didn't specify exactly where he was going, but promised to work that out after everybody got on the road. He actually wound up in a place called Canaan, which included parts of modern-day Israel, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. God also promised him that when he and his entourage arrived, there would be great perks. For one, he would have a big family and lots of good stuff. And Abe would become famous. Not to mention that the world would be a much better place because he did what God told him to do. So Abram did it. If you read the next several chapters in the original story, it becomes clear that a significant number of years pass for Abram in the land of Canaan without any of the things God promised him coming to pass. In fact, a lot of what does happen to him over that period of time isn't very pleasant. So I have to wonder what Abram must have been thinking after all that time had passed without any of the promised payoff for making the trip. And what he might have wanted to say to God if he had the opportunity. Chapter 1 Abram, Abraham, or whatever his name was. As the sun began to set in the evening sky over the land of Canaan, and twilight began to fall, Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, sat in the doorway of his tent. His name originally had been Abram, but God evidently didn't like the sound of it, so God suggested that Abraham would have a much better brand appeal for the patriarch of Israel than Abram. So, Abraham sat in his favorite recliner chair, the one with the magic fingers massage unit built in. As he sat and watched the last rays of the sun setting in the west, he thought to himself, What a miserable place this is! It's hot in the summer, it's hot in the winter, 
The ground is rocky. The neighborhood is the pits. What a miserable place this is. It was years ago that I sat in this very same chair in our nice little house in Haran. Like it was yesterday, I can remember. Looking out over our beautiful little garden in that great old neighborhood where the whole family grew up. I sat in this chair. I was minding my own business. And God said to me, Abraham, I want you to move. I said, Who? God said, You, Abraham, I want you to move. So I got up and sat on the sofa. That's not what I meant, God said. I want you to move to a distant country. And when you go, take everything. Take your whole family. Wife, servants, camels, goats, dogs, cats, the works. I want you to move. So pack up and get ready to leave right away. I thought to myself, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Or was this some bad corned beef or maybe the gefilte fish from last night? After all, there was no lightning, no thunder, no flaming presence. There was just a voice. So maybe it wasn't really God. Maybe somebody is playing a practical joke on poor old Abram. Just then, the voice spoke again, and it said, Abraham, don't fool around here, or I'll give you a flaming presence that will toast your marshmallows. I want you to move. I'm sending you to a new land, one I'm working on and getting ready just for you. Now, if you make this move, I'm going to give you the land, utilities, shopping centers, condos, everything. And not only that, I'm also going to make you the beginning of a great nation and my chosen people. Abraham, this is not pastrami talking. This is God. On that day, he spoke to me. At least I thought it was God. So I told Sarah, and she said, So how could you be sure that it was God talking? Did you ask for some identification? A sign? A miracle? Something? I should ask the creator of the universe for identification? You think he should take out his wallet and show his driver's license? Listen, when God shows you his ID, you don't usually live to talk about it. Trust me, it was God. Have a little faith, Sarah. Now let's get back. To Sarah, I said, have a little faith. Oh, if I had known then what I know now, what a mashugana I am. And suddenly the word of the Lord came to Abraham. And Abraham thought to himself, I've got to quit sitting in this chair. And the Lord spoke to Abraham. Abraham, what's your problem here? Why are you so discouraged? I'm right here with you. I always have been. All of my promises will come true. Snap out of it, Abe. Where's your faith? And Abraham said to the Lord, Now, I don't want you should take this the wrong way. Or, I don't want you should misunderstand me, but maybe you're not really who I think you are. So no offense intended, but could you give me something more substantial than a voice this time to prove who you are? A bolt of lightning, a little fire, a puff of smoke, any old thing will do. Just do it a couple of hundred yards away from the tent. And the Lord said, not a chance, Abe. You know that I don't work that way. I work on faith. 
I'm not a magician, I'm God. You either take me on faith or you don't take me at all. And Abraham spoke once again. I took you on faith the last time. I believed your promises. I did what you asked, and I got nothing. This is no wonderful land. I still have no children, no descendants. For all intents and purposes, I got nothing. I was better off back in Haran. And the Lord answered, You got nothing. You got nothing? I'll tell you what you got. You have promises. You have God's promises. This land will be wonderful. You will have a child. Your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. I may not be working on your time schedule, pal, but I am working. My promises are always fulfilled. You got nothing. You have everything. You have more than you could ever even imagine. And Abraham replied, But how do I know that your promises are real? I don't see them. Show me. Give me something I can see, something I can touch. Uh, but if the proof has anything to do with fire, I'll pass on the touching part. I'm hearing the voice. But that could just be in my head. Come on, give me just a little proof. And the Lord said, You want proof? You don't need proof. If I turned you into a camel, would that be proof? Would that satisfy you? Would that really change anything? No. I'm not very big on giving people what they say they want, you know. That's because what you think you want is never satisfying, and it generally gets you into trouble. Abraham, you have everything you need, and you have my promises for so much more. I can see farther than you can. I know more than you can ever know. I will care for you, and I will do what is best for you, even if you can't see or even imagine it. Trust me. Have some faith, Abraham. Well, it's Rubber Hits the Road, Nitty Gritty Spiritual Insight Time. A guy named Paul once wrote that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction are pretty hard to come by in our day and time. Money-back guarantees, campaign promises, and advertising slogans seem to have taken the place of conviction, assurance, and faith. You know, one of the problems with faith is that there is little tangible or debatable logic connected with it. Since there is no scientific proof where faith is concerned, one either believes and acts upon their belief, or one is skeptical and acts only on what is logical and makes sense, based on the information at hand. The other real problem with faith is that it isn't a possession, which means that people can't buy it or develop it or learn it. Faith is a way of life. It's a way of living into a greater reality than just the one with five senses and deductive reasoning. It's living beyond ourselves and connecting with someone, something, some inexplicable truth that is so far beyond and yet so present within us that there aren't even words in any human language to even begin to explain it. No one has faith, and no one doesn't have it. But there are some people who live it. That is to say, there are some for whom faith 
is a way of living life based on what you believe in the marrow of your bones and in the depth of your heart, and never giving up on that, regardless of the outcome. Whenever Jesus, the Jewish carpenter, healed someone, he generally said, Your faith has made you well. What he meant by that was your total trust, your hope, your belief, and your unwillingness to give up has made you well. Like I said earlier, those are things that are hard to come by in our day and time. Actually, they've never been easy to come by. By the way, if you know the rest of this first story about Abraham in Genesis, you might remember that Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Esau and Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ishakar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin, who were the fathers of the twelve tribes that took over the whole land of Canaan, and that became the Jewish people throughout the world. It all really did happen just like God originally promised, but not the way that Abraham or anybody else would have ever imagined or planned it. I guess that's the biggest problem with faith. We can't imagine it. We can't possess it. We can't control it or make it work the way we want it to work. All we can do is to believe it, trust it, and live it. What more do we really want? 